Uh, hello there. This is Chris Casso. I'm a writer at trustyhenchman.com, and this is not my final form. <laughs> my name is Nicole Lamb. I'm a human being, and I'm swiftly moving over 9,000! Ooh. Ooh. So that means that, like, our fights will take, like, three hours long. Or three months. Oh, three months. Yeah, yeah. Good point. Yeah. It so, will evolve continually. Yeah, somebody mentioned that, like, uh, Super Saiyan isn't even, like, the superest of Saiyan in Dragon oh, no. Ball. Like, now you can go, like, blue-haired or green-haired or something. It's like, wow, man. I'm or not... you merge with somebody else. Or, yeah, I don't know. It's too yeah. much. Well, <laughs> you just got to go uh, train under different levels of gravity, and yes. then you get a little bit stronger each time. Exactly. You know, that's all exactly. it takes. <laughs> that's, the new, that's the new workout plan. Uh, the Goku... Uh, uh there's gotta be like uh oh you're gonna i know what you're gonna be editing out <laughs> this completely failed joke it's the goku gravity crunch i don't know jumba jumba <laughs> jumanji <laughs> wait is jumba Jamboree? a drink or is jumba the thing zumba zumba, zumba. <laughs> <laughs> super science super saiyan zumba i like super science jumba though super science zumba jumba <laughs> None of it makes any sense, but no, 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 not doesn't have to. We're talking about <laughs> Saiyans here, so you know. So what have you been up to? I don't know. I've been kind of in a void. <laughs> <laughs> okay, okay, yeah. Well, let's see here. <laughs> then <laughs> I will take the reins. Yeah, I'm no help right now. <laughs> I uh, am attempting my. I'm gonna say fourth attempt at watching Twin Peaks. So here's my trick. I've got no real problem with it. It's just for some reason over the past many, many years, whenever I thought like I should really just sit down and watch it, I would make it to roughly the fourth episode and just lose all steam, all momentum. No singular reason. So I have a hard time explaining it. I would say that mostly that was, you know, while I was working, while I was always busy and whenever I had a chance to watch anything, I would generally like it to be short, simple and mindless. <laughs> you know, I'm going to watch some YouTube videos of Markiplier, right. something like that, yeah. which is very different than David Lynch. Yes. Yes. <laughs> yes. There's some gibberish in both of them. <laughs> yes. But, but one's one a lovable them... doof and one's a quirky Pacific Northwestern art filmmaker. <laughs> yeah, art house. Yeah. So I'm doing it again. And I think I've got the momentum this time. All it took was a pandemic. Woo! Um, so I am I am enjoying where I'm at so far. Um, I do like all the actors. Um, but I think what I'm really taking away from it this time is the uh, the bromance between Agent Cooper and the sheriff because they're so sweet together. And uh, I just saw like an episode where uh, like Agent Cooper kind of like honks the sheriff's nose and they both kind of like, oh, they have like a moment. <laughs> and it's just like it's a real kind of like brotherly love and appreciation that yeah. I, I really like. And um, I would really love it if I because I, I don't know how much more that develops over the course of the next season than the 2016 series. Whenever, 2017 mm -hmm. series, whenever they came out. Mm -hmm. um, but now I just want an entire uh, crime series that's, you know, basically called like Brotners? Bro Brotners? <laughs> like brothers I, who are partners? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Bro uh, Brotners. <laughs> <laughs> Brotners. I don't know. Um, where it's, it's, I mean, you know, usually there's a focus on that, that kind of partnership and all that, but I want it to be like even sweeter than that, you mm -hmm. know? Possibly I think there's a, a manga for that. I think there's like a two cop manga. I forget what it's called, but it's like, they're kind of an odd couple and it's just fun and silly and sweet. Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah. But I mean, it, Cooper is such an earnest character, you know? I mean, he's... What you see is what you get with Cooper, you know, and I think that's what the, the guy, the sheriff likes so much about him is just he's a pretty straight shooter and, you know, he can tell that he's really committed to solving this and 
I don't know. It's just silly and quirky. And I think it's just such a David Lynch thing. Because I think he makes this... I think he has relationships kind of like that with people. You know, he's got this, like, really sweet, loving, silly, quirky kind of relationship with the people he works with. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The uh, I think, actually, what I want the name of this uh, partner series to be called is Officer Up. And it's got both characters with thumbs up on the front. And it's all basically about them raising the spirits of the other officer. Ah, oh, that's nice. That's nice. Yeah. yeah. That would be pretty good. Yeah, I mean, their relationship definitely continues on um, throughout the the series. Um, so you have that to look forward to. Nice. Yeah. Excellent. Yeah. I, I'd say, like, overall, I, I really love Twin Peaks. I don't know that I'm a fanatic like some people, but uh, it's definitely right. an interesting series. And the Twin Peaks, the return is, is I overall really loved it. There is a part where it gets, like, super David Lynchy and Art House and, like, I think it's, like, mm. episode eight. And I got, like, really mad about it and, like, stormed out of the room because I'm a big baby. Uh, of course, William loved it. He loves he loves David Lynch's stuff like to a T. So it was totally his jam. I think on this, like I'm probably going to rewatch at least the return, if not the entire series, probably around is it February. Because so William's like very cyclical, um, but he also likes things to happen when he watched things or if there's a pivotal date. And like, I think it's the date that Laura dies that is the date that we usually start watching the show you know because it's like then they or they find her body or something like that yeah um so that it's an interesting way to watch the series and uh yeah yeah. i mean people watch halloween movies around halloween and christmas movies so watch the murder series based on the initial crime that's yeah exactly so yeah yeah, it's overall it's (laughs) we should figure out when the eclipse uh uh, what's the type of eclipse that happens in Berserk? Oh, what type it's of something eclipse? equinox? Is it like it's not like the autumnal equinox or something like that? I don't know. I didn't. I don't recall <laughs> it being like a specific type of eclipse. We should. We should in our rereading keep an eye for that. And it's like every time well, we reread Berserk, it's gonna have to be when the eclipse happens. Well, we are gonna be doing a, a three and four reviewing on the next Berserkening. So I believe that's all the eclipse stuff. So we'll just keep an eye out keep for it. Keep an eye out for it. Yeah. 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 Perfect. Perfect. Yeah. Interesting. <laughs> yeah. The fun f- fun part about David Lynch, but it can also be infuriating, is everyone wants to like have answers to everything. Uh, and yeah, no. there really isn't answers. Mm-hmm. I mean, in some aspects, you do just get more depth to things or you see things from different perspectives, um, but you're never going to get answers. And right. Twin Peaks The Return did interesting, interesting things. Um, And I just, I found it fascinating and I really enjoyed the ride. And I think that's what David Lynch's movies are. They're just like a ride. They're an experience or a dream or something like that. And yeah. um, So I think if if I can roll with that, then I could maybe make it through that artsy episode and really appreciate it. Because I don't, I don't mind his like, long frames of somebody walking from the right side of the room to the left side of the room for like two minutes you know i'm i'm okay with those things it's just right yeah yeah (laughs) yeah there's a certain level of art house that i i like can't stand in my adult life Mm -hmm. and -hmm. i've got to get a little more patient with it i mean like we we both have watched under the skin the scarlett johansson uh, indie film and i just felt like that movie could be like 10 minutes long (laughs) and i would have gotten it you know what i mean just like right yes i get it i get it God, there was that one sequence in that one where uh, she's at the beach and like the guy is watching her come out of the beach or coming out of the water. Yes. And there's some distance between them. There's like, I'm not going to say a mile, but it felt like a mile. It felt like a mile. And she's walking towards him and you're like, "Uh uh-huh. And now you cut. And now you cut. And now, 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 now you cut, cut, no, yeah. cut, and they were still going, and it's just like, uh, can we just, uh, okay, I guess this is it, I guess this is what we're doing. Yeah, there's like the the David Lynchian kind of meditative uh, approach where you are going from the right side to the left side, but then there's the under the skin, which is like, so we're gonna do that, but we're gonna do it five times more, and you're yeah. like, 
no. <laughs> How about we don't do it? So. so speaking of art house kind of stuff. So uh, one of the things I do with my, my time is uh, now that I have access to different streaming services is that I will waste a lot of time just looking through their catalogs and adding things to my queue that I will never get to. And on Amazon, I was looking through their manga section. I added something because the cover art looked interesting and it was, it listed as like being from 1972. And I'm like, Oh, what's this? It turns out it wasn't a manga. It was in the wrong category. It was just there because it was Japanese, I guess, but it's called female convict scorpion colon jailhouse 41. Wow. <laughs> I watched it. It's live action. And I absolutely loved it. And it turns out it's the second in a series of movies. But apparently I did the right thing because this is the one that everybody says is the best one. It's uh, so so the Scorpion series uh, is basically a series of uh, female prisoner exploitation films. However, they do a bunch of stuff differently. One of the things they note is that like the main character and actually in this one, I don't think any of the yeah, I don't think any of the main characters were ever naked or anything like that. So especially the main character, um, Scorpion, it, it, she actually doesn't really say anything throughout the entire movie. So it's a weird hybrid of this kind of exploitation 70s crime revenge cinema. But the director of the second one is made it into a bit of an art house film, but not to the point where you get annoyed with anything. To the point where you're really drawn in because the visuals are amazing throughout it. Basically, the, the main character is, uh, it starts off, she's in solitary confinement underground in this prison. And it's literally like a dank pit. And the, uh, they keep her there because she's supposed to be like the most dangerous. And, and the, the, uh, the guy in charge, the warden, uh, she stabbed out or messed up one of his eyes. So it's, you know, he has this personal thing of torturing her and, um, they bring her out because there's going to be a, uh, uh, inspector who wants to see how everything is. And they have to have, for some reason, all the inmates out. You think they would keep the most dangerous inmate in, but whatever. And, um, they, uh, they bring her out. And the thing is the entire opening She's been, uh, she's completely handcuffed with her arms behind her back and her legs bound. And she's practically freezing to death in this underground uh, pit. But she somehow got a spoon and she's dragging the spoon with her mouth across the, uh, the stone. And the, you know, the opening credits with the, the song and everything it's like maybe a minute and a half. You're watching her grind the spoon the entire time until she has a dagger. And so she uses the dagger to almost cut out the warden's other eye. And then this incites him to enact a whole new level of punishment and worse. But that allows her to escape later on with uh, six, like six other female convicts. And so most of the series is them on the run or most of the uh, movie is them on the run. But there's like these these amazing sequences where like they uh, they meet like a little lady in this one village who's been abandoned and she won't like let go of this dagger she's got. And uh, it turns kind of into like a like a no theater kind of thing uh, where they, they kind of reveal the crimes of all these women and why they're there. You know, some of them are quite unforgivable horribly so and most of them you can't the scorpion should not trust and she kind of doesn't but you know she's got to do what she's got to do um she's amazing she is the same actress who was lady snowblood and lady snowblood is was created by the guy who did lone wolf and cub and lady snowblood and scorpion are both things that influence quentin tarantino and in fact like the theme songs from uh lady snowblood and i think maybe even one from scorpion are used in kill bill mm -hmm. so if you're if you're in that mood for the female revenge series um 
I, I would recommend this. And if you if you want to watch some exploitation films, this one's like got a bit more going for it. Mm. So, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I think that would be a jam of uh, William and I to watch. And I've never watched Lady Snowblood, but I do know about that um, influence for Quentin Tarantino. And <laughs> there's a lot of stuff that a uh, watch and and find out Quentin Tarantino is, you know, interested in that. And he t- it's like his movies are just kind of like, here's a couple of movies that I absolutely love. Here's their, their homage. I present to you this movie I made. <laughs> yes. <laughs> you know? <Yeah. laughs> so Exactly. Also that. with Lady's Feet in it. <laughs> Mm-hmm. <laughs> Gotta get that in there. Oh, uh, yeah. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah. Yeah. It's a happy accident that you came across that scorpion thing and, like, how you it did, is. too. I mean, and yeah. the influence that it had and everything, it's just pretty cool. Mm-hmm. Uh, let's see here. I, I, I want to find... Oh, here we go. <laughs> I found this this one picture. You know how... Uh, um, I think it was... Was it police show? Uh, which whichever one was the one that Leslie Nielsen would would uh, was in um, before Naked Gun, Police Files, it, whatever. Oh, I don't know. But uh, you know they they would they would open with a shot of the front of the precinct and it would say tonight's episode and the title and somebody re-edited one or maybe this is the original one. I bet you it's a re-edit though, where it says the writer's barely disguised fetish. Nice. <laughs> It's just kind of like, yes, yes. Mr. Tarantino. <laughs> well, I'm I'm reading the the Sweat and Soap manga is uh, the writer has pretty much said, this is me sharing my fetish. <laughs> you <laughs> know, and I'm like, wheel. okay, cool. It's great. You made a great story out of your fetish, man. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Uh, let's see here. And do you want to uh, talk about Sky Doll? It's probably been a minute since you've read it, but. Go for it. I I I don't even know which version I've read. <laughs> yeah. I mean, so Sky Doll was what originally under Marvel? Marvel brought it in as part of like the imprint called Soleil. Okay. Something like that. Yeah. And then um Image started reprinting stuff. Right. For and like a second. And now Titan, Titan? Yeah. is the one who's doing it. And they've actually released the single issues of Sudra and the new oversized and the ultimate edition of Skydoll, which is not the complete edition because it's not done yet. <laughs> and who knows if, when it will ever be done. Um, I'm going to wait till he's dead. <laughs> Yeah. So that way we know, and then that way, even if it's not finished, I'll know it's finished. Yeah. And uh, and then I'll just go that way. Yeah. 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 Well, it's one of those things where I wasn't really i I read the fur. Uh, I don't know where to even say. So <laughs> I think it was in the image reprints that I read the first volume, quote unquote, that was reprinting the Marvel stuff. Sure. Uh, whatever. And I really liked it. It had, you know, it, this very big religious thing of like the pretty much like Catholicism versus Christianity, I guess, um, where it's like two sisters. Uh, one is like, a, is actually a true miracle worker. And the other one is just, um, well, like the Pope pretty much fake. Oh, <laughs> burn. No, okay, I don't know. Um, <laughs> and Agape is the, the healer, and she's, like, died, disappeared. I don't know. And, like, an underground has kind of risen up about, like, you know, she is the true one, and terrorists are, you know, fighting in her name and all that kind of stuff. And there's this Sky doll, which is pretty much a pleasure doll, a real doll, if you will. And they are there to, in this one city, to be able to, like, kind of let people get the rocks off, but kind of sin-free, I guess. It's like, you know, it's a doll. It's not real. It's like when high schoolers, like, do it in the butt because it's not truly <laughs> losing their virginity. It's that kind of thing. Sure. Um, yeah. It's not in the vagina, so it's fine. You know, I'm still pure. Not when it went up your poop hole, girl. But anyway. <laughs> uh... <laughs> Yeah, so the Sky Doll, she realizes she's a little different than the other dolls. She doesn't seem to want to comply. She seems to have a more mind of her own type of thing. And she comes across these two guys who are on a mission for the corrupt 
Catholicism person and uh, the Sky Doll ends up like stowing away on the ship and gets entangled in this whole thing and it's it's really like a discovery of like why she feels this way she seems to be like kind of haunted by this other like spirit in her that's calling her to do certain things and she's like what is that you know and you know it's this a conversation i guess a a little bit about ai because it you don't really know what's happening for a long time so it makes it seem like it's that kind of conversation but uh, but also, you know, obviously a lot of talk about religion and whatever. And there's just lots of tits in it. It's very uh, sexy and um, very titty. provocative. Mm. What did you say? Very titty. It's very, it's very titty. Very titty. And lots of tit, yes. Um, and yeah, it was just really fun to reread that in its almost entirety <laughs> in mm. order. Because I've read it in various ways various formats i probably reread by accident because yeah like, oh, I, so i this just, is just I, a reprint yeah. yeah i got the ultimate edition and i just reread it from the beginning and kept going and that's where i found oh i read this random issue towards the end of this series when that was coming out in singles but then i read like the first two-thirds of this part and you know so you know it's it's kind of funny you're just you're making me remember so like marvel took its hand in trying to do a bunch of these European books, these imports. DC did as well, because they had a partnership with uh, Humanoids. And I just love that like the two big companies were like, we're going to try and do all this European stuff. And then they both just gave up as hard as they could. <laughs> yeah. You know? Yep. And I, I mean, I could almost understand because they probably didn't advertise it right. They, It's the wrong wrong wheelhouse of people to try and advertise to you know at least dc had vertigo at the time i think yeah vertigo was still around and so you could still potentially advertise it within that wheelhouse mm -hmm. but yeah no. yeah it's good that humanoids went off and, and made its own made its own publishing arm you know, which was probably for did. the best anyway yeah, right yeah. I mean, like we when we saw like a like the DCU like YOU happening, they gave it like oh, yeah. three to six months, and then they're like, it doesn't work. And it's like you need more than three to six months to see if something works because you got the trade waiting people, and you got to get the word of mouth and that kind of thing. It's like you can't yeah. start a project and then be like, it failed, like right afterwards. It's like the, the, yeah, no. but they're That's... just running such a tight ship, they like can't do the risk. So don't fucking try. <laughs> Even though you're owned by Time Warner and AT and T, but okay, yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, the our friend of ours is really excited about the Harley Quinn series on HBO. Oh yes, and has yes. pushed uh, both of us to watch it. I finished season two, so yeah. Oh, I've only watched the first three <laughs> episodes because I have to watch it on my phone, and I kind of hate watching TV shows on my phone. Yeah. Um, but uh, did you like what you watched? Oh, absolutely. Very yes. much enjoyed it and looking forward to continuing to watch it at some point when I'm not feeling like a lazy asshole. Yeah. Um, but uh, but we watched the trailer because I thought maybe William might want to watch it. And the trailer that we watched was just F-bombs and, you know, <laughs> cursing, cursing everywhere to the point where it made it sound like it's 11-year-olds being like, we can curse. It was right. kind of like that. It's like, this isn't really a great trailer, you know, if that's the case. <clears throat> Is William's like, I get it, you can curse, you know. But he was also, because he's a Marvel guy, he was really um, surprised at how mature this one was. And I was like, DC's been doing mostly mature stuff, especially right. in animated, for a while. Like, we had people coming into the store constantly saying, like, yeah, I just thought my kid could watch this Superman-Batman thing. And it turned out that they were, like, banging Wonder Woman and, like... <laughs> <laughs> saying f-bombs constantly and punching like holes through people's heads and like <laughs> yeah. yeah we're like yeah dc's not for kids apparently <laughs> no 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 yeah i uh i without too many spoilers for you i actually harley the harley quinn show um motivated me to create a new series of articles um because one of the things that the show has a lot of is casual murder um and 
the concept of casual murder as a way of setting up people's personalities um, or as a way of manipulating how we're supposed to understand something as serious is has always been interested to me. So I use that as the first subject. And now I have a series called Moral Dilemmas where I focus on, you know, ethical issues. Is it OK to murder your time traveling past self or future self you know is that suicide or is that murder does it count because it's still you you know <laughs> stuff like that but the the amount of casual murder is is fantastic i guess would be maybe the word for harley quinn there's just a lot of it because goons have to die and right. it's the easier way to kill goons than named characters but there's also a way to screw that up. And Harley Quinn did it once for me where they didn't plan it the right way. They they used the casual murder as a punchline for a joke. And it's just like, yeah, it was funny. But now you're making me think of things. <laughs> now I have to consider the ethical uh, quandaries about what that character just did. And mm. if that means I could still like them or not, you know. Yeah. Um, so... I mean, it's, I, I, it's definitely a version of Joker that's pretty extreme. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> He's great. You're going to love some of his feature stuff. But even then, every casual murder he does plays up to him, plays up to what uh, what we expect of the Joker. But there's a character that is very affable, and I'm not going to ruin this for you, but it's very affable. And for the most part, to my memory, they never kill anybody innocent except this one time as a punchline. And it's just kind of like, oh, that makes me feel whenever I read fiction and uh, uh, somebody let, let's say, oh, here's an example. DC did a bunch of really stupid uh, like, like cross company events years ago. There was like Forever Evil and uh, there was like I, there was that one where all the issues had like. 23.1 23.2 23.3 and they were all villain orientated yes there was one for harley quinn and in it she wanted to prove that she was actually bad and so she sent bombs to children she sent over a hundred bombs to gotham children and killed them so in my mind as a reader like that is unforgivable you cannot play her up as a happy-go-lucky deadpool character at that point it's wrong. So I think that doesn't count as continuity anymore. Otherwise, they, in my mind, they'd have to kill her. You know, um, it's the same reasoning that like Dark Phoenix had to be killed. Uh, Jim Shooter was just like, she killed a billion sentient aliens. You kill her so that the audience understands there's repercussions. Mm -hmm. um, so when, when you have somebody that's affable and likable, even though they're killing henchmen and goons and other people something in our mind does the the mental gymnastic it's like yeah but you know those goons knew what they were getting into they were also goons you know they most likely deserve it you know you you do some gymnastics and you're like yeah 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 go ahead shoot the goon in the head but you shoot an innocent random passerby and it's just like something else happens in your brain that's like that's eh, not that's not so cool yo mm -hmm. so Harley Quinn made me, the series made me start getting into that. So now I, I have a whole new article series based off of that. So, have you found a lot of stuff to uh, to make articles off of or has it been a challenge? I've got like five or six ready to go. The first one, well, I made a poll and uh, so I put, put some options up there. And the one everybody voted for is, uh, is it okay to plan the murder of your friends if you don't really intend to follow through with it. And that's Batman. Mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. Like, like mm -hmm. everybody I voted. I that was Batman. Yeah, everybody voted for that one. It's like, yeah. oh, I know how everybody's doing during this pandemic. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I've got the one. I got the one for Cable. Is it okay to kill your future self for whatever reason? Because that happened in the X-Men books right before... Uh, house of x and to me that's like it's still murder and everybody's okay with it and i'm like we need to talk about that yeah um i do want to talk about the ethics of mutant reincarnation because that has a Oof. lot to do with the concept of who you are as a person the soul versus memory stuff yep. like that um i think there was a couple other x-men ones i had 
that's a trick it tends to happen mostly in marvel all these ethical dilemmas mm-hmm. um but yeah so i've got a few but i would like recommendations in the future from people think of it as like a dear abby column and uh for dc it's dear martha and uh you know just asking like hmm is it okay if i clone myself don't give that clone any brain activity and use it to uh fake my death you know stuff like that (laughs) yeah yeah that reminds me i completely forgot that i watched the new mutants movie uh this week yeah I was and there's a reason why I completely forgot that I watched oh, it this week. Okay. <laughs> um, it, uh, I went in, I went into the movie with extremely low expectations. It was in like post production hell forever, and then COVID happened, and then they were just like, I don't know, just get it out there. It's written and directed by the same person, and Uh-oh. I think that was a mistake because mm. the writing is pretty awful. Um, the, I'm, so I'm, I'm, I'm sure I've mentioned this before. I'm not a mutants fan. I'm not really into the X-Men. They're, they're not interesting to me. That doesn't mean that there isn't interesting stories that maybe I'll read down the road. My husband laments that I'm never going to read that Phoenix story, the Dark Phoenix. Right. Uh, I probably, it's very unlikely I will. I'm not going to do an absolute on it, uh, but it's very unlikely uh (laughs) i have a deep hatred for gene gray and it's mostly as a backlash to how everybody splooges over her like she's just (laughs) the best fucking thing to ever happen to like mutant comic and i i I, i'm just one of those people like oh is it trendy well i hate it it's kind of how (laughs) i am with gene gray i'm sick of fucking hearing it and the one comic that i read where i think it was like x-men red number one where everyone was just every character in that comic was stroking gene so hard i'm surprised (laughs) she didn't ejaculate all over everybody Mm -hmm. because even like black panther was like is not your fault gene is okay and i was like no I don't believe you, T'Challa. <laughs> I don't think that would happen. I don't think T'Challa would just be like, Gene, you got to forgive yourself. <laughs> You're 99% pro T'Challa policy. Uh, yeah. <laughs> but when it comes to Gene, it's like, ow. Yeah, because T'Challa really looks at things like very objectively, I find. And yeah. I don't know that he necessarily is sitting there trying to stroke people's egos, you know, mm-hmm, ever. Mm-hmm. But... Uh, that's just me. That's my take on T'Challa. I could be wrong. I don't know. Uh, so anyway, New Mutants. So Magic is in it. Cannonball. Uh, uh, Danny Moonstar. Uh, Wolfsbane. Wolfsbane. And um, the cute Brazilian guy. Sunspot. Sunspot. Thank you. Yeah. I keep forgetting Roberto. his name. He is an absolutely gorgeous actor. Mm. It was very nice to look at him. Oh, okay. Uh, that that's, that's about all I got. No, I'm just no. kidding. <laughs> but what's funny is, um, when William, we were watching it together, William and I, and because he was interested about it, he is interested in some mutant stuff. He's definitely into the Hickman stuff right now, and um, and he does have a an affinity towards New Mutants, kind of a later in life find. He's never read the Demon Bear saga, so he didn't really have the reference of what I think they were trying to pull from. And of course, I don't, I because I don't really read stuff like that. Um, so it was like, at first it was like, what is Danny Moonstar's powers? You know, I was just curious off the bat. And then finding out what her powers were, it just didn't, it seemed kind of a weird power to have for her. It just didn't line up, but I don't know. It's supposed to be random, so I guess that makes it feel random. Because hmm. she has the sci- psionic thing, which William's <laughs> like, God, the mutants love psionic shit. Like, oh, everyone's yes. got some psionic something. But yeah, she can just, like, make you project your worst fear or something. So it's like, okay. And then I guess she got some other powers down the road, too. Yeah. Um, magic is kind of the reason why we watched it, because uh, Magic is kind of cool, kind of a cool character. Mm-hmm. Um, visually, the way that they've redesigned her in, in recent years, I really like um william says it's because i like the final fantasy kind of style and i i can't lie it's, yeah, it's definitely yeah, got a style see that. like that that connects the point here yeah, yeah but um the the character magic she 
is a bully to Danny right off the bat and for absolutely no reason. There's no justification for it. And then she says weird things like, so first of all, she has a Lockheed puppet mm. and... A dragon puppet. Yeah. And the only like connection that, that we knew was like Kitty Pride told a story about Lockheed to her when she was a kid, but maybe she also had Lockheed at some point. Do you know mm. that? Um... Yeah, I always, yeah, it's okay. the thing is, Kitty and Ileana were probably hanging out most of the time because Kitty was Stupin Colossus. Yeah. And so, I mean, Lockheed would have been hanging out with them. Yeah. You know? Yeah. But yeah. So, yeah. So it was kind of like we were just like, wait a second, isn't that Kitty Pride and whatever? But anyway, she uses this puppet at one point to say something to try to be shitty to Danny. And yeah. then, and like one of her quips is like, Show me on the puppet where your daddy touched you. That's mm. the thing that she says. So one, that's fucking gross. Yeah. And two, there's nothing in there that you would ever, you would never say that in real life. Like if you're bullying somebody out of nowhere, you would just talk about your father's like molestation. of You know what I mean? Like it just comes out of nowhere. It's weird. The writing doesn't make any sense. The characterization doesn't make any sense. Like, if Magic's just an asshole to everybody, then that's just her character. But she's not. Hmm. She's clearly, like, got some affinity for people, even if she's standoffish. And she's just shitty to Danny. Hmm. And then there was, like, a f kind of a forced lesbian relationship, which I think was handled well in the movie. But, like, as far as I know, Danny's not gay. But I don't know, because mutant, mutants, I kind of think mutants are all a little like spectrum queer <laughs> because yeah. they've had a lot of queer coding and stuff like that. But I don't know. So, I mean, it was sweet, but it just didn't necessarily, I don't think it made sense. But uh, again, I don't know. So it was overall like they did get to have their big like everybody come and use their powers and do a thing and come together or whatever. It could have been a little grander. But at least they did a thing. And with my mm. low expectation, the fact that they showed anything at all was like, oh, wow, <laughs> you did a thing. Because I kind of think of this as like a Hulu TV show where everyone uh, is at yeah. the bare beginning at their of their shit and being like, I'm a human, but now I got these mutant powers and I got to figure it out, which I'm so tired of. It's just a way people work around their budget. Like, yeah. we can't really do special effects, so we got to have them be at the beginning. Right. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. then don't fucking do it. <laughs> some some late 90s early 2000s bullcrap yeah uh, did you just... ever watch the original generation x uh fox <laughs> made for tv movie absolutely not yeah that's oh god it's so bad so so bad <laughs> i just feel like we're kind of in the age of it's so bad still like the the hulu tv shows just don't really appeal to me the marvel stuff on um on on netflix some of it was you know good uh but a lot of it i you know i felt still had that weakness of being kind of at stage one of superhero dumb and at this point in superhero dumb i kind of need people to just jump into it like yeah peter parker spider-man like i got bit by a radioactive spider let's move on you know yeah. Superman's like I got I got raised really well by my parents. I'm an alien and my underpants are on the outside. Let's go. You know, mm -hmm. like that's the uh my my fondest wish uh my deepest wish is that when the Fantastic Four movie finally comes out again, it just opens with Ben Grimm falling being knocked through a wall and Doctor Doom flying down and it's just like boom, we're in it. Yeah. Big fight, you know, yes. that's it. <sighs> Just a just as quick note, um, Generation X. The main villain was played by Matt Frewer. That's as big as they could go. Who's and I Matt like Matt. I like Matt Frewer, but no. <laughs> I Matt don't Frewer, know who that is, but I don't know a lot of celebrity he, actor people. Did Did you ever watch the Stand, the live action Stand? No. Oh, never mind. Uh, that's, that's <laughs> that was e it. That's what he did. <laughs> no, that's that's the, one of the easiest ways I could remind people who Matt Frewer is. Yeah. Um, he's a character actor. He's He's been on almost everything at oh, some okay. point. Yeah. He was one of the bad guys in the stand. He was the trash can man. Um, he's great. I like him. Um, he was also Max Headroom. Uh, oh. Yeah. 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 Nice. But um, yeah. <sighs> yeah, I uh, I don't recommend New Mutants, but if you are a mutant fan and you just kind of want to 
get a little cheap thrill of like magic has her lighting sword out and you might see like a glimpse of limbo or something then yeah you go for it you want to see a demon bear you know who doesn't want to see a demon bear i mean the demon bear is pretty good so uh you reminded me because of something else and i don't know how much i should or should not spoil this it is a movie that came out in 1991 so whatever but um I watched a movie called Cast a Deadly Spell, and this is part of my uh, constant quest to fill the jigsaw puzzle in my brain of missing movies from when I was a a young wee lad. And uh, this was a direct-to-cable HBO film, and it was, uh, uh, let's see, it was produced by uh, Gail Ann Hurd, who did Terminator and Aliens, and directed by Martin Campbell, who did Casino Royale and Green Lantern, which, that's a roller coaster of expectations right Ooh, there. Ooh, yeah. 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 One of them, very good. The other, we'll not talk about. It stars Fred Ward, uh, who I really like. He's... Um, He's the guy who's not Kevin Bacon and Tremors. <laughs> and uh, if, if that helps anybody. And uh, it's got Julian Moore, David Warner, and Clancy Brown. Some of that sweet, sweet Clancy Brown. Heck yeah. Yeah. And um, it is a nineteen late 1940s Hollywood crime noir thriller featuring supernatural elements. Uh, because everybody uses magic in this world. And the main detective, played by Fred Ward, is Harry Philip Lovecraft. And he's the only detective who doesn't use magic. And, uh, yeah, everybody uses it from just small spells to light a cigarette to summoning demons to whatever. There's werewolves, there's vampires, there's, there's you know, stuff like that. Um, so I had a bunch of memories about this because uh, I guess I was just left alone in front of a TV watching HBO when I was, let's see, 1991. So, you know, 10-ish, 9-10. And um, it actually is pretty gory. It's got some some pretty harsh murders in it. Uh, there's a guy who's murdered by like a thousand paper cuts. Like somebody just makes like a news, couple of newspapers explode <laughs> and like... That's awesome. fly around him yeah that, that's pretty great there's, there's a gargoyle that just straight up impales somebody through a chair um the gargoyle's great too there's some amazing practical effects uh it's very cheesy it's it's horribly cheesy film but like you know that going in like the noir trope dialogue is so hard like within the first couple seconds after the credits Fred Ward has the line, sorry, Angel, but I don't play the sap for anybody. And it's just like, uh, yep, this is what we're doing. <laughs> and like he's walking alone in a shadowy alley going, there's bad and there's bad, you know? Oh, boy. Um, yeah, but I, I do love it. Um, but can I spoil something for you? Yeah, so audience yeah, okay. spoilers. I audience don't know. spoilers from 1991. Yeah. yeah um, sure. It's just you reminded me this about uh, teenagers doing it up the butt. Um, <laughs> <clears throat> so there's uh, he's he's hired by a rich aristocrat who uh, had a book stolen from him. It's the Necronomicon. <laughs> and the uh, the rich guy uh, has a 16-year-old daughter who hunts down and murders unicorns because virgin. And um, they telegraph this so early on. Uh, so basically... The uh, the rich guy wants to summon um, the, the old gods and you, of course, need to sacrifice a virgin. So he's going to sacrifice his daughter. And uh, at the end, there's a big lumpy old one tentacle demon that shows up and it grabs the daughter and it like just tosses her down. It's like, don't want this. And then it eats um, the the dad instead. That's um, uh, David Warner. So the thing is, Fred Ward, the cop, H.P. Lovecraft, had another detective keep an eye on the girl. And they were flirting during numerous scenes. And so basically, he he had sex with a virgin. And it's just kind of like, oh, he saved the world by underage sex. <laughs> That's great. (laughs) 
1991, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> yeah. And they play it up as like, ha ha, isn't this clever? You know, isn't this so great? And the thing is, the the cop who did that, the detective, like, he's married. Like, so, oh, oh, so he's a fucking scuzzball. Um, and so they like play it up as isn't this great? We saved the whole world because of this. And it's just like, she's supposed to be 16, yo. That's not cool. <laughs> no, she's played by illegal. a 24 year old. So you're just kind of like, yeah, okay, whatever. Um, <laughs> but you know, they should have done it in the butt. And then, uh, then the Cthulhu could have taken over the world. Yep. You know? Yeah. They only did it in the butt because the butt only... doesn't, it doesn't, it doesn't count. <laughs> Butts don't count. Butts don't count. That's, that's, that's like a sub paragraph in the Necronomicon. Butts don't count. <laughs> Your 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 virginal sacrifice can be as freaky as they want. You just got to keep it to the butt. Yeah, it, it really just comes down to vaginal penetration. Everything else doesn't count. You know, mm. blowjobs, cunnilingus, mm-hmm. butt mm. stuff. Uh, I don't know, rubbing it in between any sort of frictionless <laughs> place on your body. <laughs> I wonder if, like, the old gods had to, like, really, really, like, think this through. Because they... <laughs> They they must have been like, okay, we know these little monkeys can't stop fucking doing it. So what well, we but we, we need our rules. We need to keep our rules in place. So we gotta let them have some allowances. Otherwise there ain't never gonna be no virginal sacrifices, yo. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we gotta loosen up our restrictions quite a bit. Yep. You know. Chapter yep. seventy eight of the Neprechaunican. BJs don't count. <laughs> So wait, what does it mean for gay people? They're all virgins then? Because, I mean, unless you're using phallic objects to go inside a vagina. But like gay men, I mean, they're all virgins, but you usually only sacrifice a woman. So then they're kind of in the clear. It's like, okay, don't worry about the gay men. But then like the lesbians. See, it's interesting because, yeah, there's got to be a lot of like interesting, interesting loopholes. Right. Uh, there there needs to be uh demonic lawyers well that's that's redundant isn't it um <laughs> there needs to be ultra dimensional uh lovecraftian demonic lawyers and uh where they go through a fine comb a fine comb of of all these details and it's just like okay maybe if you're yog sothoth but stuff does count <laughs> but maybe if you're dagon BJ's also count. And, you know, maybe if you're Cthuga, none of it counts. And everybody's a virgin because Cthuga's into some really hardcore shit, yo. You <laughs> you have to really go for it <laughs> to get into their book. <laughs> yeah. You have to go secret rich sex club kind of style if you're going <laughs> to. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Otherwise, you're all vanilla. That's you know, right. In Cthuga's book. Yeah. <sighs> Oh, that's that's something I do want to mention real quick is that the, there are some disappointing elements uh, to the film because like the only two queer characters, they get done and dirty pretty mm. hard. Um, and it's a clumsy handling of them as queer characters as well. And some of it you could be like, well, they're maybe representing the time, I guess, you know, yeah. maybe. But the uh, the other thing, too, is they have a really funny idea. People use zombies for labor and uh, like the mob bosses, instead of hiring henchmen that they can't necessarily trust, Mm -hmm. they get zombies. And it's just like, "Eh, I I like that idea. Yeah. But the thing is, there's there's a sequence where uh, Clancy Brown, he's explaining it and he says they're like 30 bucks a head. They come from the West Indies, six to a box. And his lackey goes like, like bonbons. And it's just like, ah, we're getting into some racial shit now. Yeah. And they are all, all the zombies are black. And you're like, okay, oh. this would be an excellent opportunity to use this as a commentary for stuff during this time period. Right. This is 1991. We don't get that. They're used as bad jokes about being used for construction where they keep on impaling themselves and falling over. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So yeah. you're just like, ah, oh, man. They're... Thankfully, the one of the main characters is black and and she's amazing. Our Nisha Walker um, plays the landlord and friend H.B. Lovecraft. So it's like there is some representation there, but they fall flat on their face on that commentary. 
if yeah. it was if it was commentary and it's just kind of like yeah that's up in the air so there's there's a lot of really good elements like the the practical effects the matte paintings um some of the ideas are clever some of the dialogue is really fun but then there's a couple of these like just they really miss the mark in a bunch of other things yeah which is why and this will never happen but that's why we get to make our fan fictions that's right this is why i want there to be a regular ongoing tv series set in this universe and you know just readjusted a bit you know now that we have things like lovecraft country it's like please do comment on this use of zombies and stuff like that yes yes and please let because the uh the arnisha walker character the landlord her name is hippolyte croptokin it's like her ex-husband was like a russian uh landowner or something like that and it's just like please give me more with her she's amazing she's a dance instructor she's sassy she knows magic everything give me give me the whole show about her and (laughs) she's legit black girl magic yes and and hp lovecraft can pop up and say hello um (laughs) yeah i mean that's the thing that's so compelling about lovecraft country and why i want to want to watch it is like this black cast and from what i've heard of reviews is like is is people especially in that time who are living joyous lives too mm, you know yeah. who are or not being shown as just being oppressed or something like that it's like yeah they have to deal with a lot of stuff but there's also them yeah their family dynamics are very yeah. strong and and yeah yep 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 i finished a lovecraft country i loved it um there's a couple elements i did not care for they they did the one native american or the, the one uh uh what was the term sorry two soul Um, oh two spirit two spirit yeah uh they they did them dirty they did them really dirty um there there was a there was a bit of a backlash on that and one of the main characters too that i absolutely loved they did them dirty too so there's there's just some elements that it kind of fell apart for me towards the end Mm. but it's still a fantastic series uh i think that's it for this episode and uh, let me just do a quick plug here. Uh, please check out my website, trustyhenchman.com. Please support me on Patreon. $3 a month gets you a, uh, a regular weekly newsletter full of so much information. And um, yeah, would appreciate your support. And uh, unless you got anything else, Nicole, I think it's time for Awkward Goodbye. Yeah, yeah. So I guess, uh, yeah. Okay. Uh Goodbye. <laughs> I, was, I was actually tra- <laughs> I was, was actually trying awkward. not to be awkward or trying to figure out how to be awkward and then got awkward. <laughs> Perfect. Okay, and great. Cut and print.